Welcome back to Picture Scripture. This week's message is called Roots for the Storm. We're going to be reading out of Mark 4, 35-41. It is written, On that day, when evening came, he said to them, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd, they took him along with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. And there arose a fierce gale of wind, and the waves were breaking over the boat so much that the boat was already filling up. Jesus himself was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he got up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Hush, be still. And the wind died down, and it became perfectly calm. And he said to them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? They became very much afraid and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? So Jesus calmed a storm while on the Sea of Galilee. Now this story is actually the centerpiece of three different stories that are all linked together. The storm exists right in the middle of it all. Now when there is a storm, people typically shift their focus onto the storm itself. In 2020, we all experienced our own storm that we called the COVID-19 coronavirus pandemic. Now that storm seemed to envelop us. It changed our lives. It redefined our priorities. Many people felt like the waves were breaking overhead, inundating the boat. Many people filled with fear, panicked, and believed they were perishing. But listen, understand this. The storm does not deserve to be the center of our attention, and it is not what we should be placing our focus on. So if your focus is currently on the storm that you are experiencing in life right now, may the Holy Spirit provide you with wisdom, enabling you to completely change your perspective about the focal point. May the Lord open your eyes and give you spiritual sight, seeing the depth beyond the surface of worldly ways. May the Lord open your mind to a new understanding and help you realize what is truly important in life. May God fill you with the peace that surpasses all human understanding as you rest in Him. Amen. Alright, so in chronological order, prior to Jesus calming the storm on the Sea of Galilee, Jesus had been accused by the religious Pharisees of deriving his miraculous powers from Satan or demonic forces. They heard that he healed a blind man who also couldn't speak, giving the man both sight and the ability to speak. And so these religious leaders, who believed themselves to be the best of the best and the holiest of the holiest, demanded that Jesus give them a miraculous sign to prove to them he was who he said he was in order to authenticate his authority. We see this in Matthew 12, 22-38. But rather than appeasing the appetite for a performance of miraculous marvel and wonder to be the greatest showman jesus resisted that temptation and instead called attention to the fact that anyone who is not with him and opposes him is actually working against god jesus then went on to explain to the crowd that his real family are the ones who do the will of the father not only hearing the word of god but also putting it into practice We must actually do what the Word says, not merely know what it says. Satan himself knows God's Word and even tried to use God's Word to twist the truth in order to tempt Jesus into sinning and abandoning his mission while he had spent his 40 days in the wilderness. 
So it will not do you any good to know God's word if you don't actually apply it to your life. Now, this is important because Jesus then goes on to teach the parable of the farmer and the scattering of the seeds about how seed fell to the different types of the ground, the path, the rocks, the thorns, and the fertile or the good soil. And Jesus also taught the parables of the weeds, the hidden treasure, and the fishing net. Now, these parables, which will be examined at a later time, essentially sum up the importance of being deeply rooted in God rather than the world. Okay, so now we reach the center of the three stories, which is Jesus calming the storm of the Sea of Galilee. Now, first, it must be noted that Jesus left the crowds behind in order to get in the boat with his disciples. We see this in Mark 4.36. Listen, God is always on the move. Are you following the Lord or your own way? Because you need to know that if you make the choice to follow the Lord, you're going to end up in a storm or multiple storms. Listen, expect it and accept it. As mentioned in the God-breathed picture scripture, dedicated disciples as followers of Christ, we are going to be hated by the world, experience trials and tribulation, and pain and persecution. Now, what is the cost of dedicated discipleship? Everything. Like Joseph of Arimathea, there will always be risk and sacrifice involved. But Jesus also tells us in John 16:33 that he warns us about this in advance so that we may have peace in him. Jesus told us that here on earth we are going to experience this. However, we should take heart or take comfort because Jesus has overcome the world. Okay, so at this point in the story, the disciples have chosen to follow Jesus, and now they are in the boat with him. Now, it is written that Jesus was asleep when the storm came upon them. Listen, Jesus was not worried. Despite the roar of the whipping wind, the crash of the waves, and the swaying of the boat, Jesus was unalarmed and peacefully sleeping. Jesus doesn't merely possess peace. He is peace. Now, the interesting thing about this story is that it was not the storm that woke Jesus up. It was the voices of the Lord's children. And after Jesus rebuked the wind and the waves, he then rebuked his disciples and told them that they needed stronger faith. And now we might, as the reader of the story, allow pride within us at this point, saying to ourselves, well, how could they lack faith like that? They were with the Lord. The Lord was with them. Well, if I were with the Lord and the Lord was with me, no, just stop, stop. Ponder on this for a moment, okay? Isn't the Lord with us as well, always, all the time? Or do you lack faith? God is not some distant deity like a deadbeat dad who only comes around on your birthday. So, do you need greater faith, or do you realize that the Lord is with you right now? Don't you see? This is the importance of the parable about the scattered seeds and the roots from the seeds. The deeper our roots in God, the stronger our faith will be. The depth of our roots is like a boat's anchor which holds it in place. It is written in Hebrews 6:19 that our hope in the Lord is an anchor of the soul. How deep are your roots? When the storms of life come upon you, are you going to fall away? 
Prior to this moment in the boat, Jesus had already spoken into their lives. In Matthew 7, 21-27, Jesus told them that doing the will of the Father is important, and the person who not only listens to the word, but actually applies it to their lives, will be like a person who builds his house on the solid rock foundation. And when, not if, but when the storms of life come, that house will not collapse. Now this represents sturdy, unwavering faith. And because Jesus had spoken to them about this prior to them ever being in this situation in the boat, I'm willing to bet that they remembered his words and were thinking about it the rest of the boat ride until they got to their destination. They collapsed, they panicked, the storm came and they did not pass the test. And that just reveals what a wonderful teacher the Lord truly is. Think about it. He allows us to make mistakes so that we can learn. So be honest with yourself. How are you doing in the storm? How deep are your roots? Do you have an anchor? How great is your faith? Okay, so now we arrive to the third and final part of the three stories. And just as we arrive to the shoreline of this third story, Jesus and his disciples arrive on the other side of the sea and make landfall. So first and foremost, we must recognize that they made it through the storm and arrived to their destination on the other side. It is written in the inspired scripture that it was Jesus's idea to cross to the other side of the sea on a boat. Now this means that Jesus knew that they would enter into a storm, yet Jesus allowed them to go through it. Why? Well, because the Lord is the loving teacher and he knew that they were going to get through it. It was a learning experience for his disciples. The storm did not steer them to the other side, to their destination, but it could have prevented them from arriving if they allowed it to alter their course and abandon their mission. But as deeply rooted, faith-filled, completely committed Christians, our trust is in the Lord and we will praise him while in the storm. And so they arrived. They made it through one storm, Uh uh-oh, but now they're about to experience another. So when they arrive into the country of the Gerasenes, two wildly violent and demon-possessed men come running toward them when they see Jesus. Now perhaps the demons within thought that this was their chance to take Jesus out and that's why they ran toward him. Or perhaps the inner man who desperately desired freedom ran to Jesus, momentarily breaking away from the demons' control over him. Now, while the man was running toward Jesus, the Lord commanded the evil spirits out and they fell before Jesus, not as powerful as they believed themselves to be. Understand this, the demons cried out to Jesus, Son of the Most High God, for Jesus to have mercy on them. Now, even demons, fallen angels, believe that Jesus is who he says he is. But belief that Jesus is will never be enough. James 2.19 We must believe that Jesus is, but also trust in Jesus and confess that he is our Lord and Savior. Okay, now you need to understand that the disciples just witnessed Jesus use his power and authority to control nature and calm a storm. Not only that, but the disciples are still shaken by the fact that their lack of faith could have caused their whole house to collapse. And now they're standing in a foreign location where the people believe no one should be with two demon-possessed men. Should they attack? 
Should they just watch and see what Jesus does? Is this the time for them to redeem themselves? What would you do? Well, they were in an area far away from their comfort zones. This is Gentile area, non-Jewish. These demon-possessed men live in a cemetery. They came from that area. And because they came out from the tombs, it is symbolic that they came out from death. This is a true collision of life and death, good and evil. Now, according to Jewish ceremonial laws, the men Jesus encountered were unclean in three ways. So first, they were Gentiles, they were non-Jews. Two, they were demon-possessed. And three, they lived in a cemetery. Now, according to tradition, if these deranged men touched the disciples, then they would also be unclean themselves. Why in the world would Jesus take them to this place? What are you up to, Lord? Why am I here? Why am I in the place I'm in? I don't understand what's happening. Do you feel that way? Why am I here? What's happening? What do you want me to do? Look, I think most of us feel that way sometimes, if we're honest with ourselves. All right, so continuing. Jesus demands of the demons, what is your name? Wait, wait, whoa, pause for a moment. Why is this important? What is your name? Look, this is about identity. Yes, demons have names. Why? Well, because they're fallen angels. Now, they might have rebelled against God, but they are still creations of God, granted the great gift of free will. But instead of answering directly, out from the mouth of a demon-possessed man comes, My name is Legion, for we are many. And then the evil spirits beg Jesus not to send them to the abyss, but instead to be allowed to enter into nearby swine. Jesus then gave them permission and they entered about 2,000 pigs and caused them to drive themselves off the cliff drowning in the water below. Now, a legion was the largest unit of the Roman army, consisting of approximately 6,000 soldiers. So, it's understandable why these two men were so overcome and overpowered by demon possession. Can you imagine having that many evil spirits within you? But when the demons asked Jesus to allow them to enter the pigs, well, they apparently had a secret agenda of destruction and wanted to drive those pigs off the cliff. Well, Jesus knew that. So why did he give them permission to do this? Well, it seems evident that Jesus allowed this to happen for a few reasons. So according to Old Testament law, Leviticus 11.7, pigs were unclean animals. So people should not have been eating them anyway. But the main reason it seems is that Jesus wanted to reveal the value of human life and also use this as a test for those living in that area. After the pigs rushed over the cliff and into the sea, the herdsmen fled to the nearby town and told everyone about the incident. Consequently, a crowd soon gathered. But if the herdsmen had to go get the crowd, that means Jesus and his disciples would have had time to flee the scene if they wanted to, but Jesus did not leave. He stayed. This is truly the reason why Jesus allowed the demons to enter into the swine and send them surging into the sea. This incident brought all the people to one place so that Jesus could test them and provide them with the same opportunities for healing and forgiveness that others had elsewhere. When these people arrived, they saw a man who had once been demon-possessed, yet was now completely sane. 
but instead of celebrating a restored human life, the crowd reacted in fear and demanded that Jesus leave their presence. Now, ponder. They all had the same reaction that the demon-possessed man had. They reacted out of fear and rejection. So, were those people actually better off than the man who had been demon-possessed? They might have believed so because they had comfort and a lifestyle considered to be normal, but rather than celebrating a restored human life, the people placed their focus on their own livelihoods, businesses, money, etc. The people had prioritized profit over people, the love of money, and a comfortable existence over the true life they could have had in the Lord. They would rather give up Jesus than lose safety, security, comfort, and convenience. Two men had been set free from Satan's snare, but the people of that town thought only about themselves. Now understand this. Jesus knew that they would demand he leave their presence, yet Jesus provided them the same opportunity everyone else had been offered. That's the love of God. Jesus tells us that everyone who commits sin is the slave of sin, John 8:34. Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, said that the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. 2 Corinthians 3.17 So ponder, how many people of that area in this story were set free that day? By the time Jesus departed from them, how many people were still slaves to the ways of the world? In a great reversal, Jesus revealed that those who had considered themselves to be free were actually slaves to the ways of the world. And so this is an issue of the heart. God knows our thoughts and examines our hearts. The heart is the start and directs the deeds. A repentant person receives a changed heart. A changed person can change culture and society. However, the ones with hardened hearts will fall into death just as the swine fell over the cliff and drowned in the sea. Hearts can change, and when they do, priorities change. When we desire for God's will to be done, evil is incompatible and inconceivable. Truly, the real battlefield is within you, the heart and the mind. So how deep are your roots? What is the depth of your faith? Do you trust that God's will is what is best and what is right? Do you truly believe what is written in Romans 8:28 that God works together all things for our good? Are you seeking first the kingdom of God? Do you prioritize God's will above everything else? Why did Jesus go to the country of the Gerasenes? The answer is found in Luke chapter 15 within the parables of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the prodigal son. The Lord will leave the 99 in order to go find the one. And there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Now, there is a very minor yet extremely important detail of this story that must be examined. When the people of that town showed up, the man who had been demon-possessed and naked was now completely sane and fully clothed. Where did he get the clothes? Well, the clothes either belonged to the man and they were retrieved from some place they had been sitting for years, 
or the clothes came from one of the disciples, maybe perhaps an extra pair that they brought with him, or from Jesus himself. Scripture doesn't tell us. But regardless, this is the picture of redemption and restoration that was originally seen in the Garden of Eden after Adam and Eve sinned when God clothed them, Genesis 3.21. But this is also the picture of our future restoration on the new earth under the new heavens with the Lord when we will see people clothed in white. And the clothing and the covering is also the picture of our new bodies we will receive in the life to come. Now, understandably so, the man, after being restored, asks Jesus to go with him. But surprisingly, Jesus tells the man no. And I can imagine one of the disciples saying to Jesus, Wait, what? Dedicated disciples are hard to find, Lord. Why would you not let this man come with us? Now, most of the time, Jesus urged those he healed to keep quiet, but this time, Jesus told the man to go tell everyone. So, why the difference on this occasion? Because the man was essentially being sent to do the Great Commission and be a witness for the Gospel. Jesus started the grafting in of the Gentiles, as we read in Romans chapter 11. It is an awesome picture of God's love. The man was changed, but now he had to go actually live a life of change to truly have Christ within. Therefore, Jesus did not reject him. In stark contrast, Jesus commissioned that man to be an evangelist. But check this out. It is written in Matthew 12, 43-45 that when the unclean spirit goes out of a man, it passes through waterless places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds it unoccupied, swept, and put in order. Then it goes and takes along with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there, and the last state of that man becomes worse than the first. That is the way it will also be with this evil generation. Hmm. It is also written in 2 Peter 2, 20-22, For if, after they have escaped the defilements of the world by the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and are overcome, the last state has become worse for them than the first. For it would be better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it, to turn away from the holy commandment handed on to them. It has happened to them according to the true proverb, a dog returns to its own vomit, and a sow after washing returns to wallowing in the mire. Understand that this goes full circle, arriving back to the parable of the farmer and the scattered seeds, where the seeds landed on the different types of ground. How deep are your roots? What is the depth of your faith? Do you trust the Lord? Do you trust the Lord enough for you to actually live out the life you're supposed to live? Don't let words merely be words. Jesus told that changed man, rather than going with him, to go to his family and tell them of his changed life. And that man took action and proved that he had a changed life. This is what it means in James 2.17 when it says, Faith, if it has no works, is dead, being by itself. The disciples found themselves in a storm of uncertainty. The villagers of that area found themselves in a crisis. God will often allow us to lose what we want and what we rely upon so that we will realize who we truly need and what is truly important. 
This is about our priorities, our central focus. We cannot have deep roots in God and strong faith unless God's will is priority number one, second to none. Are you seeking first the kingdom of God? Is God's word the bread of life and the living water? Faith moves us into action while trusting in the Lord. How deep are your roots? What is the depth of your faith? If you know you need deeper roots and greater faith, it is time to take action from the Word. If your house doesn't hold up well in this current storm, you're not going to do well in the times that are soon coming. If you want to survive the storm and have your house of faith hold up through anything, you must have deep roots. And the only way to do that is to know God's Word and obey God's Word by actually living out God's will. And as it is written in Hebrews 6:19, hope in the Lord is the anchor of our souls. <sighs> Lord, please fill us with conviction and help us come into alignment with your will. And please give us bold courage to take action from the word you give us. I boldly declare, yes, I do walk by faith and not by sight. Even when I find myself in the middle of a storm, I know you are the anchor of my soul. Lord, as I spend time with you in prayer, please give me that revelation and instruct me as what you would have me do. And once I receive that prompting, please embolden me to be obedient, to take action, loving and helping people, shining light into the darkness of this world and leading people to you. May I partner with you in the work for the kingdom. Thank you in advance for correcting my direction and altering my course while guiding my every step that I take. I am ready for the storm because I know what you have planned for me on the other side. Amen. Thank you for listening to Picture Scripture by Pointless Thorns Ministries. All Bible study lessons are provided absolutely free of charge to all people who desire to become dedicated disciples of Christ. However, in order to continue long term, we do rely on listener support. If you would like to partner with Pointless Thorns Ministries as a financial backer to ensure we can train up as many disciples as possible, you can give either a one-time or monthly tax-deductible donation by visiting pointlessthorns.wordpress.com or by simply clicking the link provided in our bio or about us section. May God continue to bless you as you continue to bless others.